Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. I'm your host Aaron Salvato and in today's episode we're going to have a great conversation with Pastor Terry Michaels. Terry is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Austin, Texas and he is a friend of mine. A wonderful guy and in this episode we'll be discussing a topic that has affected many of us over the past few years, which is the division within the church during the COVID-19 pandemic, specifically over issues like masks and vaccines and all of that stuff. We're going to reflect on how this division hurt the witness of the church and how we can move forward in a positive direction as the church. Now, listen, this is a complicated issue it's, it's nuanced, it's complex, and obviously Terry and I are not going to be able to solve the entire problem of church division from COVID during one podcast conversation, but that's not actually the goal of the episode. We actually wanted to use this as an opportunity to reflect on what has happened and to take a look back and to see what lessons we can learn from where things went wrong and then also looking at how we can adjust if something like this ever happens again. Whether you're a pastor or a student or a young adult, if you have wounds and hurts from the last few years of what Christian life has looked like, this episode is for you. We're going to delve into the idea of what radical peacemaking looks like as the church and what it means to follow Jesus in his way of peacemaking within the church. I love Pastor Terry. He's got so much wisdom. He's got just so much grandfatherly advice. I'm really excited for you to listen and hear from him. So sit back and let's get into this episode of the Good Lion Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Good Lion Podcast. This is Aaron Salvato and I'm here with my friend Terry Michaels. Good to be here, Aaron. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, it's so good to have you, man. Yeah, Terry, you're you're the senior pastor over at Calvary Austin in Austin, Texas. Not too far from me. I still have not come down to visit you, but I, I hope to. Uh, <laughs> I know... Uh, yeah, I, I bet you guys have some good food out there. We do have good food. I don't know how it compares to the food in Oklahoma, but uh, we have great barbecue and great Tex-Mex. There we go. Okay, I'm going to buy my tickets as soon as this <laughs> podcast is over. Terry, you're, I love you, man. I'm so glad that you're on this episode. You're, you're somebody I look up to. You're somebody that has been encouraging to me as somebody who does ministry within the Calvary Chapel family. You have been a guy where just you, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you handle yourself the way that you act <laughs> for in the public square is really encouraging to me to see. I, I think you're a peacemaker. I think you have a lot of common sense. And I think that you're you're actively trying to push against the divisive nature that we see so much kind of in that public square place. So yeah, you, you've been an encouragement to me and then just your wife too. I mean, you, you, guys, you guys are two people that have been people who have followed this show and listened to this show for a while and then like have reached out to tell me like, hey, this show is really encouraging me and helping me. And that's like the greatest gift when people do that. Because so often when you're doing podcasts, it's just like, is anybody even listening? You know? So thanks for that, man. Well, what a blessing. I, I'm humbled by by all of that. I don't just know if I deserve all of it, but uh, <laughs> you know, it is true that I do want to be a peacemaker. And I think you and I share that because, you know, following you on a good lion and on social media, I see your efforts to be balanced and to be understanding toward, you know, people on both sides of issues and just mm. really want seeking unity within the body of Christ. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in not kind of the world's, you know, fuzzy, soft unity, which is just, you know, everybody is free to do whatever they want and nothing matters. Like, I, I believe just like you, I believe in truth. I believe truth matters. I think, you know, if we are convicted, something is the truth, we should stand by it. But then I also believe that, like, for people who don't believe the same truth as us, I mean, how are we going to convince them if we're not kind? You know, if we're not... Mm -hmm. Like, how are we going to get that open door if we're not kind? So, yeah, I think that's the balance of it. Amen to that, my brother. Yeah, we have to be balanced, and we do have to be kind. I mean, you know, I think about when I came to Christ, I was 22 years old, and it wasn't through somebody judging me, because I was just like everybody else in the world at that time. And, you know, yeah. uh, this is back in the late 70s, and that was a crazy time, and I was involved in all that craziness, and I worked with somebody who chose not to judge me, but to reach out to me and share the gospel with me. And the thing that won me, one of the things that won me was I wanted what he had. Mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. he seemed like a nice guy and full of joy. And so I, I want to re represent Christ in that same way as well, mm. that you don't have to become angry to be a Christian. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I totally agree with that. I just, I love seeing that heart that you have for peacemaking. And I love watching just a lead pastor in our Calvary family, living that out. And, and you're doing that great at Calvary Austin. How long have you been in that role? And if you just give us like a quick summary of kind of your ministry history. Yeah, I, I would love to. I joined the Calvary family back in 1980 at a little nice. tiny church in Palm Springs, the Calvary Chapel there. I thought it was the only one. I'd never, I was a brand new Christian. Christy and I both were and never heard of Calvary Chapel. And we, we found <laughs> it there. And I was working in radio back then at a country station. <laughs> and after a year, that station went Spanish. And then I was hired at a radio station in San Bernardino. Mm. So I got plugged in at Calvary Chapel San Bernardino with Pastor John Miller and was there for 15 years. Nine of those years, I was the youth pastor. And then I was sent out to the mission field in Ziegen, Germany. Oh, nice. I was nice. there for two years at Calvary Chapel Ziegen. Mm. And after that two-year commitment, we came out to Texas to church plant, first in San Marcos. And that church, God blessed it. It grew into a wonderful fellowship. We were there for 12 years. And then we got the invitation to come to Calvary Chapel, Austin in 2009. Mm. And so the former pastor, he had resigned. And so I came and Christy and I both came. And so we've been there since yeah, two, late 2009. And it's been a wonderful journey. They're just an incredible family of loving people, and we've been really blessed to be there going on 14 years now, if my math is correct. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you for just your life of dedication and service to the Lord, and I'm excited for our listeners to hear from you. As I was telling you earlier, our show, we've got kind of a mishmash of people listening. We've got young Christians, young adults, youth. We've got youth pastors, senior pastors. We've got lots of different people, pastors, non-pastors, listening to this show. And, you know, the heart of it is we want to get into how to navigate issues of culture and theology and all that good stuff. And so... With that, why don't we just jump right into what this episode is about? Let's do it.
So, Terry, I've actually been wanting to get you on the show for a long time. It, you've been on my list of people I've been wanting to call. And I had been really busy and I'd been recording some different solo episodes and I'd been traveling and speaking and I was like, I've got to get some guests on the show. And so the day that I was actually booking guests, I was on Twitter and I saw this tweet from you and it just, it, it put you right back in my, my forefront of my mind. And I was like, oh, I got to get Terry on here Let, to break down this tweet. So here's something that you said, which just resonated. You said, I would like to call a truce between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated Christians. While there's always room for disagreement, we should never have allowed our leanings to divide us. We showed the world how brutal we can be. Now let's be the salt and light that we're called to be. And I, when I read that, I was just like, yes, yes and amen. This resonates, man. I, I mean, listeners, listeners of this show know if there's one thing that bothers me, it's division in the church. It's seeing Christians divide over really trivial and silly things. And, and we have just seen so much of that over the last four years. It's It's been the most divisive time I've ever lived through. And I'm only 33, but it's been so rough, man. So yeah, break this down for us. What motivated this tweet? Why did you write this? Yeah, you, you know, the pandemic, it was hard on all of us, especially those first couple of years. Yeah. And I think we all would have loved to see it as a time that the church really yeah. shined, you know, and unfortunately, I don't think we did, you know, with all the division that was so public yeah. and so out there. And I think the world was watching even the Christian community go after each other that, you know, who wanted to become part of the church during that time? It was a rough time for evangelism. Yeah, But this was a very difficult issue that there weren't a lot of answers available. It was so new to us. I mean, we'd never been hit by a pandemic before. We'd never been confronted with COVID before. And, and so we were all coming to our different conclusion, conclusions and, and not all of us falling on the same page. Yeah. Just all trying to navigate it. And I think for the most part, we're all trying to do what we think is right, what's best, what was most loving. And I'm speaking for both sides on this, that we're all trying to, you know, do what we think is right within our hearts. Yeah. And I just think there could have been more grace on both sides and trying to understand, you know, the vaccinated, at least trying to understand why the unvaccinated chose not to, or those who chose not to get vaccinated, to understand why those who chose to did, and it didn't have to become this hyper-political thing or area where we drew lines in the sand, that we could have all agreed to disagree as we came to our independent conclusions and made our own personal choices. Yeah. No, I mean, I I agree so much with that. I, I It's one of those things, it, it blows my mind to see how divided and divisive things got. Because like you said, at the end of the day, whether it was masks, whether it was vaccines, whether it was social distancing, everybody that I talked to, no matter what side of those issues they fell on, everybody was really just trying to like do the best thing for their family and keep them and their family safe. And we had all of this information coming at us, all of these things happening rapidly, rapid decisions that we all have to make about our families and our churches and how we're going to handle things. And it, it was just one of those things where I was like, man, like, why did it become so divisive and spiteful and hateful? You know, like I think of, you know, other health issues like cancer. I know from having family members with cancer. And then when I was a youth pastor, some of the parents in the youth group struggled with cancer. 
And I know that like there's different schools of thought of how to handle cancer. Like mm-hmm. I had, I knew people who thought let's do chemo and let's go through that whole process and see how it helps. I've also known other people that like when they for they went, they, uh, they, they decided to forego chemo and do kind of a more like naturalistic, holistic right. kind of treatment. And it never turned into like this battle and like questioning one another's faith. It was just like, Oh, like here's a health decision and we've got to make this decision for what's best for us and our family. So to just see the, really the animosity that cropped up about all of these things was, was really hard. It was hard and it was heartbreaking. And I, I think what made it difficult, because here you have a social issue, you know, you, you have a, a, a disease that's running rampant and, you know, what do you do? Do you, you know, do you expect government to just ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist or, yeah. you know, I mean, that something has to be done. And, and then it became a religious battle and a political battle, you know? you had people that took a very strong religious point of view we talked a little bit about it yesterday on the phone how you know there's a segment of christians who believe that you know if you you know submit to the mask or submit to the injection that you're playing into government's hands and potentially taking the mark of the beast and so forth yeah And, and, and on the political side you know you got the Republicans mainly saying, you know, the vaccination is bad and the Democrats saying the vaccination is good. Yeah. Uh, even though it was a Republican that rolled out Operation Warp Speed to get it out there quickly. But, yeah, yeah. It beca- you know, it, it became a political thing, too. And then you have so many Christians that identify with a political party. So now they're, you know, carrying that message. And, yeah, it just got really messy. And rather than focus on on Christ and the unity that he would have us have and focus on his kingdom. Yeah. It just, it got so messy. Yeah. And we, we just lost sight of his kingdom and lost sight of one another. Yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's heartbreaking. And then I said, I've said this to so many of my pastor friends, like I am, I'm a pastor, but I wasn't like leading a church. I, I was working for a parachurch organization, CGN, and, and my ministry was primarily through podcasts and traveling and speaking at different places and doing ministry, but, but not like leading a congregation. And I was like, I feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed out. I am struggling. I am burdened with all of this division. All, like just, I open up my social media feed and it's just hate, 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 hate on all sides. And I was like, if I feel this way, if I'm honestly starting to struggle a little bit with depression, like I wouldn't say like full blown, but for me, it was like just this constant gloom cloud. And my wife and I felt the same way. Just everything was just so gloomy and dreary. And I was like, if I'm feeling that way, I can't imagine how somebody trying to lead a congregation full of people with varied opinions and and, and varied convictions and trying so hard to love those people and walk with each of them, no matter what their position is, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Like, that sounds like the hardest job in the world. It was a challenging time, I'll, I'll tell you that, because, you know, as, as a pastor of a congregation, and, you know, we go into ministry, most of us, because we love people, you mm. know? Yeah. And, and we want the best for people. And now we're hit with this thing that you have to make a decision. And whatever decision you make, and that decision might be a non-decision. I'm just going to ignore it all. That's, that's a decision. I'm going to pretend like it doesn't exist or it doesn't affect us or it's not that big of a deal. 
deal, but you're going to make some kind of decision. Mask, no mask, mask in the lobby, and but you can take it off and, you know, once you're seated or whatever it is, you're making some kind of decision. You're going to space out the chairs and honor the social distancing or whatever, but you're going to have to make decisions and whatever decision you make or do not make, you're going to have a lot of people in your congregation mad at you and, and leave. Mm. And I, I think that's what most pastors experienced. We had, we lost a lot of friends, loved ones, and congregants, and some left angry, some left just because, you know, they didn't feel safe. You know, maybe it was a situation where there was no mask and they didn't feel comfortable being in that environment. Or maybe they felt uncomfortable coming into a situation where everyone's masked up and they didn't want to wear one. But there was a lot of people <laughs> building out of churches. And, and unfortunately, not all of them left happy. You know? yeah. They had strong opinions about, you know, I, I kind of put people in three categories with this whole vaccination thing. There, There's those who are against the vaccination. Nobody should get one. It's dangerous. Then there's the pro-vax. Everybody should get one. It's going to be the best thing to prevent the spread of this thing and keep everyone safe. And then there's people like me that fall in the category of, you know, I'm still trying to figure this all out, but yeah. I'll respect, I'm, I'm pro-choice. You make your own personal choice. You know, <laughs> what do you think is the best thing for you? Terry's pro-choice when it comes to vaccines. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to vaccine. I mean, don't quote me as being pro-choice. You don't leave it at that. Just wanted but, to clarify for any Yeah, uh, yeah when it comes to listening. the vaccine, I'm total yeah. pro-choice. Uh, consider the risk if you think there are any and ask yourself, you know, what's the bigger risk, me getting COVID or me getting the vaccine, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it, it was just so sad to see so many people leave their fellowships. And, you know, I get together with the other Calvary pastors in our area and we all have a same story. We, don't, we didn't all do the exact same thing, but we all have people that left our church. Yeah. That's so sad, man. And, and it's, I, I know that this is not the current topic of the culture. It's so crazy just to watch the news cycle and to see how we all move on to the next thing that we want to be upset about. But I mean, I can just remember vividly when this was like the topic of conversation yeah, yeah. and man, like so heartbreaking to see pastors lose people that they love, people that they've invested into for years and poured into, watching people part on on wrong terms. Man, that that must be that must be so difficult. And and I just know, you know, the, not everyone listening to the show is a pastor, but you know, for those of you listening who aren't like a pastor at a church, maybe you're a young Christian, a young adult, like I've talked to so many young people who they also have this huge like just <laughs> sadness in their heart to watch how things happened and to watch how people left their church or got angry at their pastor. There's, there's pastor's kids who listen to this show who are wounded from like how their dad was treated or how their, their mm -hmm, mom was right. treated. And, and I just know that's difficult. And then, and then just navigating, like, how do I have my own convictions about things and, and also hold those humbly and not divisively. And for me, like that's the approach that my wife and I have tried to take with this whole thing to just have a posture, an attitude of like, there's so much that we don't know. And, exactly. and, and trying to hold a healthy balance between like, okay, do we look at the scientists and the doctors of the world? And do we just immediately jump to the conclusion that they're all a part of some secret cabal that's trying to poison us? Like, that seems really disrespectful to like the doctors and nurses in our churches who like have given their life trying to serve, you know, like for pe to heal people. Like 
that seems like like a huge jump. On the other hand, it's like, is the government always right about things? Does the government always make right decisions? Like, I don't think so. When I the more I study of history and things that the FBI or the CIA have done over the years, some of that shady stuff, I'm like, whoa, the government is not always trustworthy. And sometimes decisions can be rushed. And so I was looking at all of it where it was just like, wow, this is a situation where I have to make a calculated risk either way. Like it is a risk to get the vaccine or it's a risk to not get the vaccine. It's a risk to, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I wish everybody would have approached it that way instead of having this attitude of like, well, because I read this blog and it said this, I know everything and everyone else is an idiot. It's like, man, I just wanted to have a posture of like, you know what? This is a very scary situation for the whole world. No matter what side of things you fall on, can we, can we acknowledge that, that we're all scared in one way? Like the, the people who are saying, uh, you know, to, if you get the vaccine, you're given in to fear. It's like, well, you're afraid of the vaccine. <laughs> Like you're afraid of if you put that in in your body, what it's going to do to you. Some of the others are afraid of what's going to happen if you don't put it in your body. So it's like, no matter what, everybody was afraid of something. And I wish we could have just acknowledged that. And as Christians said, hey, we're all scared, but we're all in this together. No matter what path you choose, what if we supported one another? What if we loved one another? And it was just so sad to see that not happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So simple, you know, And, and, and fear was a driving force. I think on both sides, you know, and, and there were some legit, legitimate fears. There's nothing wrong with being concerned about a virus that could potentially put you in a hospital on a ventilator, you know. Fear isn't always a bad thing. There's such thing as irrational fear, you know, where you're fearing something for reasons that you should not fear. But then there's the rational, like if you go out in the blazing hot Texas sun, There should be an element of fear that tells you to put on sunblock. I don't Mm. say, you know, I'm not going to put on sunblock or sunscreen because that shows I'm being fearful. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's just ridiculous. And so, you know, applying that to a mask or to a vaccination, you know, obviously people make choices along those same lines. Like, I'm, I'm just taking care of, you know, the potential danger here. It's not like, you know... And granted, there were probably some people out there that were living in fear and, oh, my goodness, and, you know, wearing a mask, riding a bicycle or whatever, you know, kind of thing when it wasn't helpful. But I I don't think it's irrational fear to say, you know, we have this disease around and I want to do something that's going to protect me and my family or me spreading it to others. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of in my own heart, what I was trying to pay attention to is not which way people went on things. Like, just let's just talk about masks for a second. I think as a Christian, for for me, like I'm always interested in Christian ethics. That's actually like one of my favorite fields of study. If if I wasn't a pastor, I think I'd probably want to dabble into maybe becoming a uh, a moral philosophy professor or something like that because that kind of thing just fascinates me. And and so it's always like when it comes to Christian ethics, it's like how are we deriving our attitudes and actions? What are those coming from? Is it coming from an understanding of the person of Jesus or is it coming from, 
you know, an American ideal of, of freedom at all costs, you know, or, or whatever, you know, a, a progressive ideal of progress at all costs. Like what, what are, where are our ethics coming from? And so with the whole mask situation, what I was trying to pay attention to is what are our motivations for how we're feeling about these things? And, and if somebody was convinced like, Hey, I am convinced that COVID is deadly and I am convinced that if I wear a mask it is going to make the chances of me spreading anything much less likely to somebody else. It's like I respect the heck out of that. That's 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 noble to me to to say I'm going to go to church and I don't want to infect the elderly or the immunocompromised in my church so I'm going to wear a mask. I thought I thought that there was a lot of nobility to that attitude. Uh, on the flip side, I, there were some people I saw who were like, you know, I, I knew one lady who uh, was a friend of mine and she was very much against, you know, the government forcing kids to wear masks at school. And there was all these studies that they were looking at where how it was negatively affecting child development and all this stuff. And so I was like, OK, I can see her motivatives are she's trying to stand up for the kids and protect the kids. So there's nobility in that, too. And so for, for me, it wasn't like which one of these is right and which one of these is wrong. It was like this is a very confusing situation. And just to be clear with my cards on the table, like I wasn't 100 percent convinced that like masks were actually going to do anything, especially the kinds of masks that were available for us to buy, which were kind of flimsy and not the the high tech medical ones. So I was in a situation where I was like, okay, I don't know what the right answer is. I'm going to wear one just in case there's a chance it could help somebody else. But I'm, I'm also not going to judge the people that don't want to wear them for these specific reasons. If someone was more just about like, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. That's where I was more like, well, come on. You know, I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm making sense. I probably sound all you, over you the place are, to people. Uh, yeah, I, I totally identify with that because that was the same approach that, that I took as well, because there were very valid concerns on both sides of this issue. Right. That, that, you, that you just mentioned. And, and it's always good to, you know, just because government makes a decision, you know, <laughs> we need to uh, process that and not necessarily take our governing authorities word for, you know, well, when, especially when they're giving mandates that have to do with our personal health and so forth. But there, there were good arguments on both sides. There were good, uh, there were major concerns on both sides. And I think both sides needed to be understood. I didn't put a lot of confidence in the mask either, but it, it made some people feel better. You know, yeah. I, I knew when to wear it and when I had the freedom not to. And, uh, you know, I have a lady in, in my church. She lost her husband from COVID. He was, he fought, you know, for his life a good while on a ventilator and eventually passed away. And uh, mm. he was someone well known in our church body. But, you know, she was wearing a mask every day after that, you know. And when I was with her, I, I wore a mask. And I made the personal choice of getting vaccinated. And probably not for the same reason as other people, but my youngest daughter gave birth during the pandemic. Mm. And uh, my wife and I, we, we wanted to be at the hospital for the birth of our grandson. And that was one of the reasons. And then we had friends in the hospital as well. We wanted to be able to visit them. So just because of my role as a pastor, I wanted the freedom to be able to visit people, uh, to, to hold my grandson. And, and you mentioned cancer. Uh, my sister is, she's a breast cancer survivor and now she has lung cancer. She smoked her entire life. I recently went out to visit her, but you know, she told me, she goes, you can't visit unless you're vaccinated because I have no immune system. You know, chemo, it, it just yeah. does away with it, you know? And I weighed the risk. It's like, 
I don't have complete confidence in the vaccination. I'm not so positive yeah. it really works 100%, but I was willing to take whatever risk just so I could be there for my grandson, for those friends of mine in, in, in uh, the hospital, and for my sister. I just calculated the risk. I mean, what's the greater danger to me as a person in his mid-60s? Getting COVID or having a side effect to the vaccination. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, did, I wasn't afraid of the injection. I didn't think I'd have any problems with it. But even <laughs> right. if I did, I wasn't worried about it, you know, because it was worth a risk to me. Right. Yeah. And, and that's that's respectable to me like that. There, there's a noble reason behind it. You're, you're trying to think of your family and do what is best for your family. And by the same token, and, and I'm saying this like, gosh, I mean, it's, it's weird to like even feel like slightly embarrassed and it's just because of all the cultural baggage wrapped up, but you know, I'm vaccinated too. And, and part of me is like scared. Like, am I going to lose some listeners for saying that? But it's like, if, if I would, if, if anyone's going to stop listening to this show because of that, that's, that's honestly, I'm, I'm just being honest. That's a little ridiculous because. Well, it is ridiculous, but it's a real <laughs> thing too, because I did oh, yeah. lose. I, I never told anybody in the church to get vaccinated. You know, yeah, I me just, neither. I never even brought it up in the church, but it, and, but I didn't keep mine a secret either. And it did yeah. come out that, you know, Pastor Terry got vaccinated and we did have a, a few people leave because That's I made a personal crazy. choice so I could visit people in the hospital, hold my grandson and visit yeah. my sister, you know, and, and people thought that I had, I don't know what they thought. Maybe they thought I did take the mark of the beast. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, I know with, within, within Calvary, with our uh, premillennial dispensationalism, I know that that, uh, <laughs> that's a thing at the forefront of people's minds, but you know, so here, here's what I'm trying to say as somebody who got vaccinated for very specific reasons, which was, I wasn't fully convinced that it was going to save me or keep me healthy, but I was like, I want to be able to see my family. I want to be able to just, if there's any chance, this is going to provide an extra layer of protection for my wife's family, which is primarily made up of immunocompromised people who have a variety of health conditions where if COVID is as bad as they say, they could be very much at risk for something really bad if, if I spread it to them. So yeah, that, that was my reasons. And so what I'm trying to say is as a vaccinated person, I will be the first to say that I also look at other people who have like, they're like, I did some research and I am, have come to a very strong conviction that for me personally, it would not be the right thing for me to take this thing. I respect that too. You know what I mean? Right. Like I'm here. I'm we're here. Christians. Let's just get past this stuff and love one another. Like this, this should not be a dividing line. Like everybody for hundreds and hundreds of years has made personal health choices about what medicine they're going to take, what surgery they're going to get or not get, you know, like everybody does that. We've been doing that for years. So, so the, the, <laughs> The, the, we do honestly, it on a daily basis with everything. With I mean, everything, you with know, the food we uh, eat. Probably some of your listeners vape, you know, or they <laughs> smoke a pipe or whatever, and it's the same probably. thing. There are side effects <laughs> to that. There are risks to that. I know two people who were hospitalized, my brother-in-law being one of them, mm. for, for ODing on soda pop. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah, he went into cardiac arrest and the whole thing. The other fellow I know, he was from our church, and he's a he's still bedridden to this day. It happened about ten years ago, but he never uh, he went to a coma and he's out of the coma, but he can't talk or walk or feed himself. And it was because of energy drinks. You know, he you can go too far on anything. You know, mm. 
But, you know, we, we're always making choice like that of what we're putting into our bodies. And if somebody wants to put a COVID vaccine in, our, in their body, you know, why should it be anybody's business but theirs? Yes. Fully agree. Honestly, Terry, like I, I this is going to sound pretty extreme, but I think it's true. I think all of the division that we faced was just it was satanic. Like and I'm not just throwing that word around loosey goosey. Like I really think that Satan loves to divide the church over silly and trivial things. And just like listeners, like I'm talking to you right now. I'm talking to Terry, too, but I'm talking to you. Think about <laughs> think about how much people were talking about this, like it was the most important thing in the universe. And then fast forward to today, like people aren't talking about it as much. And it's like, this is what Satan loves to do is he loves to get Christians. He loves to get our focus off of spreading the gospel and, and raising up disciples and loving people and being a new humanity, like a, a new people that are different. We're not left. We're not right. We're above. And, and he loves to continue to find ways to drive us back to the divisiveness that makes us tribal and makes us hate the other. And we're not going to pray for our enemy because we're too busy going on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and posting rants about how much we hate our enemy. It's just, it's so sad, man. It's, it's so sad to me that we had Christians who were like, you know, we, we have conservative Christians who are like anybody who wears a mask or gets a vaccine is this weak government puppet. And then on the same side or on the other side, you know, we've got liberal people who are like anybody who, you know, has concerns, anybody who has done research and doesn't feel comfortable, like they're stupid, they're science deniers, you know, they're, they're going to be the death of us all. And that, that's the division of the world that then makes Christians say, I have to leave church because my pastor doesn't fully line up with all my political views on this. I have to disown my friends because they don't line up with everything I believe. And it's just, it's so sad, you know? <laughs> well, you're right. It's satanic. I mean, I can guarantee you this. It's its not of the spirit. You know, when you're seeing a division like this and the animosity and just Christians attacking Christians because they didn't share the same viewpoint on an injection, you know, that Satan was having a field day for sure. And, and that's why I tweeted what I did, you know, just calling a truce. I mean, because we are, you know, for the most part coming out from that period, you know, um, yeah. COVID isn't what it was, you know, two years ago. Yeah, thank goodness. And now we're kind of on the, you know, end of all the drama. And so let's now put that behind us and repent of any attitudes that we might have, you know, and reconcile with any brothers or sisters we might have broken fellowship with. And let, let's uh, just move forward, you know, yeah. let, let's move on from that and move forward. We can have a truce and we can be at peace and not have to argue about these things that affected us more, you know, one and two years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that tweet that you quoted earlier, it was well received on Twitter, but I, I had to take it down from Instagram. Instagram and Facebook because you got people who still want to fight, you know, and that's like, wow, that's, that's the last thing I wanted to do with that, that post was to invite more, you know, more fighting. So I just took it off. So, so you, you got some pretty, uh, some pretty strong pushback. Yeah, I did. I did. I mean, it was just a couple of people, but you know, like on my Facebook, for example, I have a, so many non-believers or mm. unbelievers from my school days that follow me. They can't even believe I'm a pastor and stuff. <laughs> I got my brothers and sisters 
unbelievers that watch, and they're not saved. And mm. so I got all these unbelievers that are watching on Facebook, and I, I just don't want them to see the ugly side of of, of Christianity and how mean-spirited people yeah. can be with one another in the family of God. And so, yeah, so I had to take it off Facebook. And mm. it's it's a crazy time, man. I. Uh... Here's a, I got a personal story on this. Uh, this was really early on in the pandemic, but I remember I had a few friends who were going on social media at the very beginning of the pandemic, and they were just like posting a bunch of stuff, kind of declaring like, hey, this is really serious. COVID is really serious. And if you don't wear a mask, like you, you're a horrible Christian and you're in sin, you know, and all this stuff. And I, I just remember kind of reading their post and going like, huh, interesting. And then literally like a week later, they flip-flopped because they encountered some new information. So then they were posting like, hey, actually masks are a lie and the government is trying to control us. And then they, they started talking to me and they were like, Aaron, if you don't speak out on this and make your stance known, you're a bad pastor. And I just responded and I was like, hey, whoa, listen guys, like I am honestly just a dude trying to focus on serving Jesus ministering to others, staying sane, protecting my family. I need to focus on what I know for sure, which is Jesus is king. Like I, there's so much about this I don't know. And I, I, it's not that I'm like for your position or against it. I just am at a point where I don't know. And I think it's okay to say that, you know, it's, it's such a distraction. And it, it was so embarrassing to me to see pastors take it to the extreme on both sides. Like, you know, on the conservative side, there's this really far right guy who you know, uh, it, it would make most guys in Calvary, you know, who are very conservative for the most part, blush. Uh, it's this guy named Greg Locke. Have you ever heard of Greg? Greg Locke? I'm not familiar with Greg. No. He's he's just it, it, it's 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 he's a very interesting dude, very very notorious in the media. But you know, he's this very conservative pastor, and and there's clips of him like from the stage while he's preaching in a sermon, saying, "If you wear a mask at my church, I'll." kick you out of here and he's screaming you know i'm not here to play oh, these, I see that. Yeah. i'm not here to play these democrat games so don't show up here to a mask <laughs> hey everybody this is aaron from the future and i just wanted to stop and do an insert here because obviously we are talking about the harsh realities of how politics and politicization has very often corrupted the church's ability to be salt and light and to be a witness to the gospel of the kingdom and King Jesus. And the politics often creep in and pervert that message of the gospel. And this is something that happens on the left. This is something that happens on the right. We are consistently clear about that on this show. And so just a second ago, you were listening to me referencing a pastor named Greg Locke, and I'm going to play a clip from his church service where he just goes, I believe, off the rails and just in an embarrassing way does not represent Christ well in this COVID-19 moment that we've been living in. Now I'll say this, normally on this show, we do not try to do that thing where we name drop people that we think are wrong and talk trash about them. That's not the heart of what we want to do here. The reason I feel comfortable specifically using Greg Locke's name here is because he is, I would say, not ashamed one bit about his stances on this stuff. He is well-known and well-established in the media, and he's a name that people might recognize. So I think he's a brother in Christ, but I do think he's dead wrong on this issue. But then to be totally fair, I'm going to then start talking about some stuff that's happening on the left as well, and we'll play some clips from that too. So 
ultimately we want you guys listening to think for yourself. We want you to form your own beliefs and opinions. But one of the main consistent things we've tried to say on this show is that the kingdom of God is not of the left. It's not of the right. It's above. And so we just want to take an opportunity to examine some of these extremes so that we can learn from them and run in the opposite direction of these extremes and represent Christ well. So prepare your eardrums for uh, Greg Locke. He gets very loud, and then we'll continue on with the episode. Here's that clip of Greg. Sometimes you got to stir the fools up. Sometimes you got to stir the pot. Look, I don't have to be a jerk for Jesus, but if you think I'm going to kowtow down to a wicked, godless culture that is never going to accept me, that is never going to accept Jesus, that is never going to like our church. You see, here's what the left has told us. If you comply, if you compromise, if you comply, if you compromise, eventually you'll get in our good graces. No, because you'll never comply enough. You'll never compromise enough. You will never get in the good graces of godless people because all they want is compliance. Now I'm going to go on record and just say something right now while I'm talking about this. They talking about shutting down this nation for round two. Talking about masking everybody back up, shutting down churches. Hey, my hind leg, if they think they're going to shut this church down, I'm going to go ahead and let you know that right now in the name of God. There will be serving Frosties in hell before we shut this place down just because a buck-wild demon-possessed government tells us to. Knock on my door, ask me if I got a vaccine. My hind leg, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. I tell you that right now. I ain't playing their games. Don't believe this Delta variant nonsense. Stop it! I know right wing watch watching. I don't care. If they go through round two and you start showing up all these masks and all this nonsense, I'll ask you to leave. I will ask you to leave. I am not playing these Democrat games up in this church. If you want a social distance, go to First Baptist Church, but don't come to this one. I'm done with it. I said I'm done with it. I ain't playing these stupid games bunch of pastors talking about how much they want to see people healed. They're afraid to baptize people because of a Delta variant. I'm sick of it. We got visitors like, oh my goodness, what did I walk into? We like this every week. Based on the authority of the Word of God, you call it a prophecy, you call it what you want to. I am not going to play their games. Gave me an American flag sweat rag. Praise God, I like freedom up in this house. And then, you know, on the other side of things, I don't know if you've ever heard of this YouTube channel called Woke Preacher Clips. They Their mission is to point out liberalism creeping into the church. Sometimes I think they're way off. They've actually targeted a few friends of mine and taken things that they've said out of context and painted them mm-hmm. as being liberal progressive when they're not. But but they, they have sh- shared on their YouTube stuff that I was shocked to see because just growing up in Calvary, which is very conservative, I've never really been exposed to very liberal churches. But they were showing clips from like more kind of Methodist and mainline churches. And there was people like from the stage preaching in a sermon saying basically things like if you don't wear a mask and get the vaccine, like you're not welcome here and you hate the elderly Mm -hmm. and you're in sin. A vaccine and a mask are minimal requisites for anyone who would wish to follow Jesus. For anyone who wants to save their life, Jesus says, they'll lose it. And anyone who loses their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, save it. If this episode were to happen today, here's how I think it would go. If anyone wants to become my follower, then get your vaccination and find a mask and wear it over your nose and your mouth and follow me. For what will it profit someone to gain the whole wide world and forfeit their life? 
All persons attending need to wear masks and must be vaccinated. Show proof of vaccinations. Take something so simple as getting a vaccine or wearing a mask. Decisions are being made based on selfishness, not out of love for another person. Is that righteousness? But if you are somebody who hasn't gotten vaccinated, God bless you. Hallelujah. Just know that when you cross the threshold of 3565, a mask will go on or you will stay out. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we even pray for uh, those whose hearts have not been turned toward receiving the vaccine, that you will touch them even as well. So just seeing both of those extremes, man, it just breaks my heart. It's like, that's not what the church is about. Yeah, yeah. The the extremists, they don't make it good for either side, you know? You know, I mean, I respect both positions and both points of views, but then you do have the extremists that just run wild, and they're the ones who are kind of stirring up all the trouble. And, and you know, my message all along has been, you know, we, we, can, we can continue to love each other. We're not going to agree on this. You know, our church was very mixed, politically even. You know, I inherited a church that wasn't, you know, all Republican or all Democrat, you know, it was a mixture right. of both. And so when the pandemic hit, you know, there were people on all sides of this and stuff. And so it was really like, boy, once I make a decision, <laughs> I, I got to have a lot of people upset and stuff. But my message all along has been like yours. It's like, you know, this is not a doctrinal issue. This is a world issue. And we can come together and we can have unity and we can love just like Christ told us to. Uh, we don't have to get all crazy over this. Just, you know, each search our own hearts make the best decisions we know how to make based on how the Lord is speaking to us, not a political party or a radio preacher, but, you know, work it out with God and stuff. But yeah, it still was a difficult time. You know, the, the one thing you mentioned, you know, that you didn't know a lot of this stuff, you know, as far as information as to which, you know, to sign off on. And I think that, you know, I was the same way. It's like, we're having experts on both sides saying this is how it is. And one thing that the Lord showed me a while back was to preach what you know and not what you're unsure of. Yeah. And I remember back, yeah, you're probably too young for Y2K. No, but, no, no, I uh, was Christians, there. Are you there? I'm 33, so yeah. <laughs> there you go. So his, Christians got hysterical over that too. We didn't divide yes. over it, but I did get letters and one from a very prominent, at the time, Calvary Chapel minister who was on the radio all over the place. <laughs> and that letter basically said, if you are not warning people about Y2K, you are an irresponsible pastor. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, the word just showed me, just preach what you know and not what you don't know. I didn't know about Y2K. I'm not savvy to make a determination that the world's going to fall apart, you know, <laughs> once the clock hits 12 and stuff. So I just continued to preach the word. I did have people in my church. Why aren't you addressing this? Why aren't you addressing this? Because I don't know. You know, listen to the guy on the radio that knows. I don't know. Right. You know, but I'm so glad that I did not take a position on that. I'm so glad that I didn't warn my congregation about Y2K because I would have ended up like this popular preacher did with egg all over my face. Yeah. I mean, and 
That's such a funny story. I mean, I I don't want to embarrass my mom, but uh, my, my parents were like on the fence about Y2K2, very much in the vein of, you know, my dad's a senior pastor and it, pretty much with any of these things, the way my dad's always been growing up, my dad never got political. He never got weird. He was always just, let's just focus on Jesus and trust him with the rest. But uh, there was a brief period of time where my mom was kind of like, well, you know, just in case, maybe we should stock up on some water bottles and some, you know, cans of food because who knows what's going to happen with Y2K. And then I remember when it actually came and went, we were just like, well, that was a nothing burger. <laughs> like it's just, you know, just, oh my gosh, that I feel like such an old person using that phrase. That's, that's such a weird phrase. Nothing burger. I think what we're getting at is like, have the humility to say, I don't know, like have, mm-hmm. and, and also I could be wrong. Like mm-hmm. I have opinions about COVID stuff right now that have developed through just a bunch of different sources and friends talking to me and media. And that's how everybody is. Everybody has their opinions that they've formed. But at the end of the day, I could be wrong about those opinions. And I probably will find out 10 years from now, there was a ton of stuff I was wrong about revolving COVID and that's, that is Okay. And we should, em- yeah, we should embrace that. Okay. And it's like, I feel like what this reveals, Terry, is I feel that many Christians are, we're actually wrapped up in the world so much that we don't truly believe, like on paper we believe it, but we don't, we don't live like we actually believe that this life is just a shadow of the life to come. Like we, we are so concerned about this life and making sure we get it all right in this life. And we get so focused on, you know, the, the, all the political solutions to every problem in the world and, and, and making sure we have, you know, with COVID, it was like making sure we have everything right and that we've out-researched everybody else. And to me, it's like, yes, take care of your family, do your best. But at the end of the day, like recognize this, this life is not the only life. Like there's another life coming. And what do we know for sure? We know Jesus is king. Like, and if Jesus is king, that changes everything. That should be our focus. And it, it's just sad. Like, I, I'm just like, what, what's the next thing going to be? Like a year from now, it, it's, it's the beginning of the year. It's 2023. It's January. And I just think it's the calm before the storm. Because in my mind, it's like, what, what's going to be the next big, horrible thing that happens this year that gets everybody at each other's throats? Can we learn from COVID and adjust our strategy and go, when the next big, crazy, divisive thing happens, are we going to react exactly the same or are we going to actually live like Jesus is our king? I, I hope we can learn from these things. I mean, boy, those those two years of the pandemic, there was so much stuff. You know, you had the 2020 election and that, you know, split Christians as well. And then uh, yeah. with Black Lives Matters, and then there was a split there. And just there was yeah. so much going on, not just the pandemic. And it just seems that these things creep up and but it's like believers can't we learn from these things you know yeah uh, we got to quit fighting over them and uh, let, let's come together we might not fall on the same page we might not agree on you know the you know what happened january 6 or what happened <laughs> you know with george floyd or whatever but we can agree you know on jesus and that's what our unity that that's what we're to be our fellowships to be founded on yeah. and nothing else i i totally agree i I think a good place to shift the conversation would be just this idea of of radical peacemaking. And and I want to ask you, Terry, as a pastor, like how 
How do you strive to embody that principle of being a radical peacemaker through your leadership, through your teaching? Can you give like ex- examples or specific instances through the pandemic where you put that into action or, or where you saw members of your church put that into action in ways that made you proud as a pastor? Like, can you give us some tangible advice on how to embody this idea? You know, I, one thing I, I did was I really encouraged the congregation to be prayerful about their interactions on social media. Mm. And that's basically where most of the social interactions took place during the pandemic. You know, right. there, there wasn't a lot of, you know, breaking bread from house to house because yeah. of, you know, the pandemic. I mean, there were some that were doing that, but I was really encouraging the church body to use social media in a way that was edifying and constructive. Mm. And when I saw somebody in my church that would post something that was, you know, a jab at the other side, I would, fr- you know, in a friendly way, let them know that, you know, that might not be the best way to, you know, reflect the love of Jesus there. And so I really focused a, a lot on that, that that our presence on social media is going to make a huge difference in the in this whole thing. And along with that, you know, just in my teaching on Sunday mornings, I, I drove the whole point home a lot just about how important among believers are. There obviously there are things that we must agree upon. That, mm. that make us believers, those foundational doctrines. But there are those non-essentials that, you know, just fussing over them isn't going to get us anywhere. And, and then when you get to social issues like, you know, COVID and mask and vaccinations, uh, respect other people's point of view on those things. Yeah, Let's just do our ultimate best to, to get along and to love each other. So I, I hope, yeah. and I, I, I'm pretty sure that I had influence in that area Mm. Um, and, you know, I, the people in our church that were on social media, I, I did see a change of tone with a lot of them. And mm. so that that was my message, you know. That's really good, Terry. Really, really wise. I, I feel like I feel like a lot of us in ministry are still catching up to fully understand the importance that social media actually plays in the lives of every person for the most, not every person, but, but most people, I, I feel like when social media first came on the stage and, and I, I grew up, you know, kind of with the birth of it, you know, MySpace and Friendster in the early days and then migrating to Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and these things. Like I saw all of this, you know, happen when I was in my early twenties, late teens was when kind of when the social media landscape was starting to take space. And I feel like when social media first came out, like no pastor was talking about it because it was just like, it was almost separate. It was like you, when you're when you're talking about interacting with people, you talked about your family, your coworkers, people at school. Social media was kind of like this no man's land where you were just going to go and have fun and, you know, talk about whatever you wanted to talk about. And then it evolved into basically this thing that's like, this is the social square of the day. Like, this is where people come to share ideas and talk and discuss things and joke around. Like, no one goes to the mall and, like, just starts talking to strangers, but we'll go on social media and we'll start talking to both our family and friends and strangers all at once. And, And so it's this bizarre thing where... I just feel like a lot of people don't realize like the potential it has to either be a very good tool for evangelism and Christian witness or a very good tool for Satan to just destroy our witness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It sure is. And, you know, I, I have to confess that I haven't been perfect on social media. There's been a couple of <laughs> things that... Me neither. ...were through the cracks that, you know, I've allowed to go out there that... Uh, have you gotten have snarky, the, Terry? Yeah, I, I've been snarky a couple of <laughs> times, but then I think to myself, what the heck did you just do there? And I'll, I'll pull it yeah. off but, and stuff. But at least I'm trying. At least I'm trying and stuff. No, but, I mean, but, it's great that you're trying. And, and it's great that you're trying to lead because I think we need pastors like talking about this, like letting people know, hey, this is not just some separate slice of the pie of your Christian life. The way that you carry yourself on social media is important because you represent Jesus and his kingdom, whether you're at work or whether you're on Facebook. Right, right, yeah. I mean, we're, I think we're always going to have that segment of people also that believe that, you know, I, I speak truth. I'm on social media because I got to share the truth. Whatever they believe, of course, you right. know, whether it's political or religious, uh, you know, their point of view is is truth. And, you know, they love to quote that verse, you know, Jesus came with the sword. So, you know, if you don't like it, you know. yeah. That's what this is all about. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I talk about this a lot on the show. This is a huge, you know, point of concern for me. I, I'll put it in the show notes, but I actually did a, a workshop for CGN at one of their conferences that was like a, basically just a training workshop for pastors or non-pastors, just for any Christian who wants to represent Jesus well in social media spaces, I put together kind of a course on that. There's actually an episode of this podcast where it just has all the content from that, but then there's video as well with a discussion with me and uh, Pastor Joel Turner afterwards. So I'll put that in the show notes, but yeah, that's obviously something really big on my heart. I, I think it's so easy for us to, it's like we're called to carry ourselves with truth and love. And there are people yeah. that it's just, they're all truth, but no love. And it just comes across right as bullying people. And I've never met anybody who's been bullied into the kingdom of God. And then on the other hand, you've got people where it's like, it's all love, but no truth. And that's not helpful right. either. Like it's not helpful right. to, while your friend is drinking a glass of poison, say, Hey, that's great. You do you, you, you know, be yourself. I'm not here to Don't judge. Change. Yeah. So it's like, we, we got to learn how to balance those things. Um, exactly. And I, I think you do a good job of that, Aaron. And that's one of the things I've thanks, man. always appreciated about you is the, is the balance. And Thanks, man. I It's been a burden on my heart. Honestly, I've been staying away from social media the, the past year. I have not been on there very much because now that I have a son, I just have so little time. And so li literally just the other day, I, I was scrolling through a Facebook and I saw somebody that I knew from back in high school or whatever leave a comment on something and it was I and I I'm barely friends with this person it's like they were an acquaintance in high school but they, they left a comment where they just got something so theologically wrong and it's not even subjective like it's not like you know it's my interpretation versus their interpretation it's like they just got something so so wrong and my gut instinct was to like try to get in there and like try to correct them in a gentle loving way and then I just I had to stop and ask myself do I really is it worth it? Is it worth it to take, like to, to potentially put my wife in a situation where she's gonna have to be fighting for my attention because I'm engaged in this comment war? You know what I mean? It's like, is it yeah. worth it? It's like, do yeah. I have better things I can do for the kingdom of God than police this one person and try to step in and be the the theology police, you know? So it's it's just like, you, you, have, you have to, you have to weigh every situation and ask like, is it worth it? And that, that's what I try to ask is like, if I'm in a situation on social media, am I getting involved just because I want to express my opinion and prove that I'm right about something? Or do I see a situation 
where there's a fire that I can potentially help put out or or there's a fight that I can potentially step in and mediate or where there's an opportunity that I can represent Jesus well and point others to him and even help people that hate Christianity or against Christianity or on the fence, like like help help draw them to the light, you know, that I think like we should look at social media as a mission field. You know, that that's my exactly. connection at least. And that's how I see it. That's how I see it. And, and the struggle is, is real what you're talking about, because sometimes, you know, you're, you're tempted to put your thought, you see a post and it's like, oh man, I got to, you know, set the record straight here, but you know, it's going to cause, you know, just a, a just a lot of interaction that uh, probably shouldn't be on social media and stuff. Yeah. But then I have seen you at times. You and I have a mutual friend that's a, a pastor. Was a musician that became a pastor. He came out of Calvary Vista, and he, he used to post some pretty controversial stuff. And I used to see your <laughs> comments, and they were all really, really good. Mm. Uh, they were good, and that they really caused me to think. I just loved how balanced you were on the things that he would stir up, and your attempts to you know see both sides and that kind of thing. I just I always liked. The times you did choose to, you know, take the risk and put yourself out there. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting. I, I, I think back on that time period and I, I joke that like, oh, yeah, I, I, I once fought in the great Facebook comment wars of 2014 or whatever is kind of how I think about that time. But uh, yeah, the, the guy you're talking about is a dear friend and mentor of mine. And what motivated a, a lot of my decision to engage in those conversations was because on the one hand, you had this friend, you know, who was learning all this great stuff in seminary. He was someone I looked up to. He was a mentor and he wanted to share those things. And it's funny because talking to him now, I've heard him actually say on his on his sermon podcast that he kind of regrets some of the way that he approached some of that, um, mm-hmm. like stirring the pot so much, you know. But the thing I got frustrated with is I felt like people were judging him so harshly and they weren't willing to like take time to slow down and ask questions and they would just read something that he would say and immediately jump to this context of like, well, obviously you're an apostate, liberal, progressive, whatever. <laughs> and to me, I was just like, well, no, no, no. Like, like, can't we have discussions in the church? Like, can't we reason with one another? And and there was times where I agreed with my friend on what he was saying because I was able to mm-hmm. read between the lines and get to the heart of what he was saying. And right, I would try to right. I would try to draw that out a little bit in the comments. But then there's other times I disagreed with him and I'd let him know, like, hey, I love you, man, but I, I'm not with you on this. And, and, and going through that season of my life actually really pushed me to try to learn more and grow more. But it just just seeing other pastors it was just disappointing to see pastors just pull out their swords so quickly, like Peter, you know, trying to defend Jesus and then chopping off people's ears, you know, like in the garden. Right. And to me, it's like, like, can we not be so quick to attack one another when there's differences in, in, in thoughts about third and fourth tier theologies? Like, can we, can we show each other grace to be like, Hey, we're a part of the same family. We love one another, but yeah, I feel like you're interviewing me right now. This is your episode, Terry. We got to get, get back to you. Let me let me ask you this. Um, I, how how do you see the role of forgiveness and grace 
playing into the process of healing and reconciliation within the church and its members? With all this division, how have you as a pastor, you know, started to kind of push people in the direction of being able to forgive people for how they were hurt during the last few years? Yeah, and I think that needs to happen. Again, that prompted my my tweet that you recited earlier, because there are wounds on both sides. You know, I'm not going to defend the side that I was on and say that we were all squeaky clean and we didn't hurt anybody. I've heard from both sides, and I, I've heard people who got vaccinated and people who didn't, and both feel wounded from people on the other side that judge them. And so it went both ways. But I, I think grace and forgiveness, they are absolute essentials for moving on. You know, this this is going to stay with us if we don't have grace and we don't learn to learn to forgive. And these are just basic biblical principles. These are the things that drew us to the faith. You know, we wanted God's grace and we wanted his forgiveness, you know, and, and, and you know, we're to be dispensers of that as well. And I, I don't think it takes a whole lot to at least show some grace and have some understanding why people came to the conclusions that they came to, Mm. you know, understand why the person who didn't come to the same conclusion as you, why did he or she come to the conclusion that they came to? Because there was all kinds of information floating around there. It was on the media. It was on Facebook. It was on Twitter. It was in the churches. And we're left, you know, not the experts, you know, we're just left the common people trying to sort it all out, process it. Yeah. And doing our best not to be influenced by the loudest voice. Mm. And so if we could just have a little bit of understanding as to why not everyone fell on the same page, and and then those people who did wound, you know, I was just reading this passage the other day that, if, you know, if you have an offering to bring to the Lord and you feel your brother has something against you, mm. you go to that brother, make that yeah. right, and then come bring your, your offering. And the interesting thing about the whole thing is you're the initiator. It's like, this is the person who offended you. You didn't offend them. This is the person that offended you. But I think the idea is, you know, that we're not to be like pointing fingers and casting blame and who who hurt who. Let's just be the better person and let's be the initiators. And so I would encourage your audience that if you've been hurt by somebody that through this whole, you know, all this drama of the past couple of years, or if you feel that you've hurt somebody, you be the better person. You be the initiator. You make the phone call. You send the text. You write the letter, whatever it is, but some gesture. And it's so easy to do. All you have to do is swallow a little bit of that pride. And, you know, and sometimes we just have to ask God to help us with that. There are times where it's very difficult for me to forgive somebody that's hurt me very badly. I've been in that place as a pastor. I've had people hurt me very very badly. I don't have the power within me to forgive. Sometimes it's a supernatural enabling that we need. And so we have to fall down on our knees and just be honest with God. God, I don't have the I don't have it within me to forgive this person. Would you give me that ability? And he'll be faithful to do so. Mm. But I think it's something that, you know, it, it's real easy to say, hey, everybody forgive each other. But it's more than just, a, you know, uh, uh, intellectual agreement, you know, okay, yeah, that sounds good. We have to do it. Yeah. We have to contact those people that we may have hurt or those people who have hurt us and say, hey, let, let, let's make this right. Let's be reconciled. Let's, you know, we might not agree on, <laughs> you know, everything, but we can certainly agree that, you know, we need to be at peace with one another and love one another. Yeah, that's really good, Terry. I I fully agree with that. And I think what what you were saying about like being willing to reach out to people 
I think is so important. I, I, one thing that happened to me during the pandemic was, I, I, don't, I don't know if you felt this way, but because everybody was so vocal about their opinions constantly on social media, it was really easy to get in my head. And if I saw a certain friend posting certain opinions on social media, without even speaking to them, I would start taking it personally and I would just think, well, he probably doesn't like me because you know my opinions are different than his. So he's probably, in his mind, lumping me into categories and, and he's assuming things about me and he's probably just written me off and is like, I don't like Aaron anymore because he's not on the same page with me. Did you feel like you did that at all? Like you, you, you kind of went to that place in your head where you'd see someone saying something or posting something and then just be like, oh, maybe they don't oh, like, yeah, yeah, maybe I they sure don't like me anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, such I, a... I definitely felt that. And uh, I think that, again, the enemy loves to stir those things up or even whisper in your ear when it's not true. I, I would suspect in many cases it was true, but in some cases it wasn't. Yeah. You know? But there were those people that I feel broke fellowship with me abruptly. I mean, no one ever came to talk to me, you know, with yeah. the decisions I made for our church. No one mm. really came to me and said, well, I, I take that back. I did have one person come to me and he, he was so blessed when he, he didn't agree with me, but he was so blessed by the heart behind my decisions. So although you might not get agreement with everybody, at least you can bring him to a place where they understand your heart. And he's still at our church to this day. That's awesome. But there were a lot of people that I feel <laughs> they left not liking me anymore. And, yeah. and maybe that's not true of all of them. Maybe some just, you know, because of their political affiliation felt they had to or whatever. But uh. I do think some held it against me personally. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's hurtful and it's harmful. And I think everybody on all sides was kind of experiencing that where we were making assumptions of one another because everything was so polarized. And the, the reason I brought it up was because, you know, there was this one particular friend that was a very dear friend to me, but they were just way more vocal about the COVID stuff on their social media than I was. And I started to just, like I said, get into my head about it. And the Lord convicted me to like reach out to them and just have like an on the phone, voice to voice, not text where you can misunderstand one another, but just talk it out. And so I just called them and expressed my concern where I was like, Hey man, like I see you being very vocal about this stuff. And you know, you've seen some of my posts and I'm kind of in a different place. And I just, it makes me feel like you don't like me anymore. Is that, you know, or is that where we're at? And we just had a great open-ended conversation. He was like, no dude, like I respect you so much and you're, you're some, like, I, I look up to you in a lot of ways. And you know, the, just the way that I'm wired is I get fired up about this stuff, but, but you know, I, I don't judge other people that think differently. And I was like, well, the tone of your posts makes it seem like you kind of do. And he was like, oh man, you're, you're right. I didn't think of it that way. I was just fired up and passionate about the stuff I'm passionate about. And, and it was a really healthy conversation for us both. And I learned from it and he did. And, and my encouragement to listeners would be, if you've got baggage and, and it's a real thing, dude, like I, I, I've heard that from so many young people that the way that the church as a whole handled COVID really was harmful for them. And, and they got the impression that all the church cared about was being right or, or their rights. Mm -hmm. You know, it was either protecting their rights or being right and, and rubbing it in the face of others, no matter where you stood on the COVID issue. It was like, it, it wasn't this, like, I, I think I, I was talking to one young person and they were like, yeah, I remember hearing stories of World War II 
where the country banded together and everyone was like, you know, the guys are going to go off to war. The women are going to go to the factories and work. We're all in this together. We're, we're, we're a country. We're unified. And they were like, they said when COVID first happened, they they got almost excited where they were like, whoa, the church is going to band together and like really show the world what's different about us. And then just going through the last couple of years, like they, they, they're jaded and they're disillusioned about Christianity because in their mind, they're like, oh my gosh, that was a test for the church. And we failed because we showed the world how broken and ununified we are. And, and so, I mean, what would you say to a young person struggling with that? Like, how would you counsel them? Yeah. And it's so understandable and I totally get it. And, you know, I have adult kids and they were feeling a lot of that as well and, and stuff. And, you know, the church is supposed to be a place where anybody can invite their neighbor. And that wasn't the case during COVID. There were a lot of churches that you could not invite your neighbor to, you know, because they took a very strong position that this is what we believe, this is who we are. And if you're not on this page, you're not welcome here. And I saw pastors of mega churches, even within our tribe, smear people, mm. you know, or, or mock people that were not doing the same thing. And, and so I, I acknowledge that there were people at those churches, young people, and that hurt is real. But, you know, I, I think church hurts aren't anything new. We're seeing it on a massive scale, or we did through COVID and everything. Uh, yeah. But my testimony is one of being hurt very badly by a church and uh, mm. being falsely accused. And, you know, if anyone knows church hurt, it's me. I even wrote a book about my story, mm. you know, mm. and stuff. And so I can identify with people who feel hurt by the church, but the mistake that I made as someone who was hurt by the church and by leaders of the church, I was like, you know, just a 13 or 14 year old when it happened. The mistake I made was putting that on all churches. I got angry at all churches. I ultimately got angry at God. And then I had to come to a place where I realized that my thinking was not rational, you know, to say, because this church hurt me, that that's a stain on all churches. You know, we can't do that with any people group. You know, if I have a bad experience with a policeman, do I say all policemen are bad? Or if I have a, a bad experience with an African-American, do I put that on all African-Americans and so right. forth? That we, we call yeah. that being racist or prejudiced, and it is. And so what I would say to the young person who was hurt by the church, that that was a church. That wasn't the church. Not that yeah. the church you know, shine during the pandemic. But there were churches, there were pastors like you and, and like myself that were truly preaching the love of Jesus and, and wanting what Jesus wants and not getting into all this, you know, political, you know, rallying and that kind of thing and making these strong stands on world issues. Uh, we wanted to be a, a, a safe refuge. And so I would say to those yeah. young people, there are churches still out there that are safe to go to, that love Jesus and that will love you. Yeah, that's so good, Terry, helping people push back that that misconception brian and i my co-host were talking about it on one episode where it'd be like it, it, it'd be like if if the first time you had a burger it, it was like somebody just made the worst recipe ever and it was you know it's like they're they're putting moldy mushrooms on it and expired blue cheese and instead of instead of a hamburger it was like tofu or just <laughs> no offense to the vegans out there 
but you know, just this nasty burger, you know, uh, and, and that was your first experience. You would probably be like, I don't want to ever eat a burger again. Like burgers are dead to me. Like I, and everyone else is trying to convince you like, no, like the problem is everyone, the, the person who gave you that hamburger was not following the right recipe. Right, they screwed right. up the recipe. Yeah. And it's like that, that, that's what we see with church herd a lot is you were going to a church expecting the recipe to be prepared correctly by a mm-hmm. chef who knows what they're doing, but instead you got this horrible, abusive, warped, bad theology recipe. And it, it, I understand I have compassion on people who are like, yeah, like I don't want anything to do with the church anymore. Some Christians get really judgmental towards Christians that have deconstructed their faith or drifted or walked away. To me, it's like, no, like I have compassion because I want them to experience like the right recipe. Right, And, right. and so- Part of my mission is like, how can I encourage those people to give Christianity another shot? And then I think for those of us in ministry, pastors, we need to be so convicted to be good stewards of that recipe, mm-hmm. like to constantly be, be checking ourselves and saying, am I adding any ingredients into this recipe that are going to ruin it for somebody who's trying to experience Jesus? You know, it's a good analogy. Very good analogy. Yeah, I, I'm like you. I have compassion for those who feel wounded by the church or, you know, lost interest in the church because I, I was there. The same thing happened to me. And um, yeah. so I, I, I identify with them as well. And I, I understand and I, I want to be part of that um, movement that's bringing them back. Yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, I'd love for people to be able to check out your book. Is it online? Can people buy it online? or It's on Amazon. It's called There and Back. Okay. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. That'd be great for people to be able to check that out. And I, I'd like to read that too at some point myself. Here, here's an interesting topic to end on, Terry. We, we've kind of alluded to the divide being very politically motivated. I'll say this. I don't get angry that often. I think the last few years have started to make me angry at politicians <laughs> on 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 both sides feel free listeners feel free to you know disagree with me this is not you know this is not me having theology this is me just having opinions but i i'm convinced that like both sides of our broken political system are invested in keeping us angry at one another and divided with one another i was so frustrated when i saw early on in the pandemic, just very quickly, uh, because of things tied to the, the great debate over the election, I just saw people politicizing everything, like masks, vaccines, social distancing, everything became political. And I was looking at, it, I was like, this is a life or death situation, no matter which way you lean, you know, this is, this is, this is a situation where people's lives are going to be impacted, their health, their job security, you know, because we're having people stop work and, and work from home and 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 like there were so many things going on and it just became so political and it made me so frustrated and i was looking at it and i was like these politicians don't care about us and as a christian it made me frustrated and i was like all they care about is their side winning all they care about is making the other side look bad and they're willing to sacrifice real humans and lives to get that done and and so you know my heart is like to younger christians like wake up look at how divided the older generation is over these political factions the politicians and news media i think they 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 are invested in trying to control how we think and how we feel not just how we think but how we feel and i would just ask what would it look like for the next generation of christians to be radical peacemakers prioritizing the gospel and reaching the lost and creating communities 
where people love each other despite their differences. Yeah, if Jesus is king, that changes everything. I mean, what what do you think, Terry, about that? Do you think I'm off? I'm younger than you. You've been around longer. You've probably seen way more political division than I could imagine in in the time that you've lived. And so am I off here? I don't think you're off at all, Aaron. I mean, things like in the late 60s, early 70s, you know, with the, you know, the hippie movement and all that and the war in Vietnam, things, you know, were pretty divided back then. I was pretty young back then, but I think this is probably the most divided and the most polarized I've seen things. Mm. Um, Wow. And probably because we have social media today and it's more in our grills. Whereas before, you know, you were just, you know, with your group of people talking about the other group of people. But now we're seeing everybody, you know, come together on social media or on network news or cable news or whatever it is. And so we're seeing, you know, the, the dirt being tossed from both sides and stuff. And I too have been frustrated with, with both sides. And, you know, it, it has been hard to watch and stuff. And, and and that's why I think that we kind of need to step back from, you know, putting our eyes or our trust in a political party and put our trust yeah. solely in Jesus. He's the answer. And Amen. We, we, you know, look at our faith through the lens of, of politics, it's going to get all murky and stuff. We should be viewing our politics through the lens of our faith, not the other way around. But uh, yeah. we didn't see that play out too much. We saw a lot of people make decisions of faith based on what their politics were. And we saw yeah. mm. churches become political movements. And we saw pastors become political leaders. And we saw congregations host political rallies. And I, I think that's all a huge distraction to what God wants in his church. The focus needs to be on Jesus. He's He's the answer to our heartbreaks, yeah. to our hurts, to our wounds. He's the answer to our frustrations. He's the answer to our fears. He's, he's the one that we should be seeking in all the decisions that we're making through all this chaos, you know, whether it's, you know, should I wear a mask? Let's go before Jesus and seek him. Right. You know, well, I'm not going to wear one because I'm a Republican or I'm going to wear one because I'm a Democrat, you know, um, yeah. seek Jesus in the whole thing. Yeah. Every, everything you've been saying, Terry, has been such an encouragement to me, man. Um, I feel like this has just been a great conversation between friends. I feel like it was a really good palate cleanser <laughs> for me personally after the last few years. I haven't really talked to anybody about how I've been feeling about this stuff besides my wife for a while. I appreciate it for the listeners. Guys, I hope you found this very helpful. I hope you found it encouraging. Terry, I think you're just a wealth of wisdom and encouragement. I'd encourage any of you guys listening who maybe you want more Jesus in your life and you're looking for more good content, check out Terry's sermons at Calvary Austin. They'd probably be really encouraging for you. We'll put the link to your book in the show notes. And uh, before we leave, do you, is there any like last words of encouragement you'd want to say before we end the episode? You know, I just thank you so much for taking the time to interview me. I feel really honored. And just for your listeners, I, I hope we I encouraged you to, I, I hope you could feel better about things and have a little more understanding toward those who may not have come to the same conclusion as you. And if there's mm. been any severing of fellowship or any herds, uh, go to that brother. Go to that sister, and you're going to find healing there. Just, you know, go to that person that you were once, you know, in a, uh, had a good relationship with and don't any longer, and see if that can't be made right. And uh, even if it, it's just an attempt and it doesn't pan out, you can feel better on your end. And keep your focus mm. on Jesus. He's, he's King of all and Lord of lords. Mm. Amen. 
Amen. Thanks, Terry. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Aaron. God bless you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Good Lion Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find our show. The show is brought to you by Calvary Global Network, a family of churches working together to proclaim the gospel, make disciples, and plant churches. It's produced by me, Aaron Salvato, and my co-host, Brian Higgins, and is a part of Good Lion Ministries. Our goal is to help young Christians navigate the postmodern, post-Christian age. We create podcasts, sermons, videos, and resources to help people on their journey in the way of Jesus. To check out our resources, visit our website at goodlion.org. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us next time as we continue to seek and follow the God who is not safe, but is very, very good. The gospel is the hope of the world, and the world needs more gospel-centered churches. That's why Cultivate by CGN exists. I'm Clay Worrell, Executive Director of CGN, and I'm here with my friend, Pastor Nick Cady. We want to take a moment to let you know about the Cultivate Church Planter Training Program. Cultivate has created the infrastructure to support the planting of 1,000 new churches in the next decades, starting in 2023. We follow in the footsteps of renowned church planters in the Calvary Chapel movement, embracing and adopting their rich heritage of church planting in order to transmit our values, theology, and philosophy of ministry to this generation and for those to come. You know, as church planters ourselves, we understand that planting a church is not an easy task, but we believe it's an essential one. That's why we've created a range of resources to help you and your team prepare for the journey ahead. Our resources are personal, practical, and pastoral. Our program is from 6 to 24 months and is designed to equip you to lead a gospel-centered community wherever God has called you around the world. We also have a global team of mentors and coaches with thousands of hours of experience planting and pastoring churches, and they're ready to support you in the training phase, the launch phase, and in the post-launch phase of planting a church. With our guidance and support, you can feel confident in your ability to engage the world for Christ. Are you ready to answer the call of church planting? Together we can make a difference and bring the hope of the gospel to communities around the world. If you're ready to take the next step and learn more about our church planting program, we invite you to visit our website at cultivatechurchplanting.com.